Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. Hi, FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome to another week of Sidebar Cindy with me, Cindy Suefansel. And this evening we're looking at xenophobia, love, relationships, marriage. In the midst of xenophobia, how is it affecting your home and your life? Sidebar with Cindy on the home of the Afropolitan. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Sidebar Cindy with me, Cindy Suefansel. If you've missed any of our previous shows, go to kayafm.co.za and listen to FM Rewind. Our podcasts are up there. If you're not in Gauteng, you can tune in on DSTV's audio bouquet, channel 861, or you can listen live at kayafm.co.za. So today's topic um, is, is something that's very close to everyone's heart at the moment, given what's happening in our country. But South Africa has been rocked again by attacks on foreign nationals and you know xenophobia according to the oxford dictionary is a strong feeling of dislike or fear of people from other countries and um you know we're seeing what's happening on the on the news we're seeing you know shops being looted we're seeing um cars being burnt but has anyone ever stopped to think about relationships you know, in the midst of xenophobia. And this evening, I have three guests in studio. I have um, Chuks Moses, who is from Nigeria, and he's married to a South African woman. I also have um, Lebuhang um, Ononopu, who's married to a Nigerian man. And Lebuhang's son, Wupilo, is here. And they'll be sharing their experiences of, of um, you know, relationships, love, marriage, growing up in a home where um, parents are from different countries. So, first of all, thank you so much for being here, Lebu, Chuks, and um, Wupilo. Hi, Okay, Libu, I think I'll start with you. Yes. Um, so you've been married to um, your husband, David Odenopu, for how many years? Um, this would be the 18th year. Okay. And, and uh, we've got a 16-year-old son. Um, when the relationship started, it started like a person who was just humbly working, fixing cell phones, and, you know, he was doing... I honest living for me because I was running away from being hooked up with a person who was into stealing at that time. Remember, um, majority of our guys, some of them were going, were going to school, some of them were into hijacking and stuff. So they just came a bunch of guys from somewhere else that we just got to know and learn about them. And I saw him as an honest guy. And he was doing an honest living. And that's when the relationship started. Um, and where did you meet? <laughs> <laughs> um, around Jobek. Around Jobek. Um, he had a shop, a cell phone shop. Um, I was a student at Diamond Center. So my phone had broken. And for some reason, I, I get people teasing me about Alcatel and Nokia story. <laughs> But to make story short is that at that time when he came into our family, um, my mom and my dad, they were in a divorce process. He stepped in, got us a place to stay, and he started paying. And at that time, we left without clothes at home. So he stepped in with meals, everything. He was like the father figure that my brothers and I didn't have. And my mom kept on saying, why is, he do, why is he doing all this? I said, mommy, I think he loves me, you know. that He showed himself before he could even pay Lobola. And when he said he was getting married, still we had comments from my family that were saying, they say they would put drugs on her tummy, blah, blah. You know, silly things, you know. Uh, till today, I, I believe that he has earned his respect amongst my family. So seeing what is happening here in South Africa, it's disturbing. Because um, when we go to Nigeria, it's a different scenario. We are treated very nicely. We, they would ask about Mandela, how's, how's his kids? As if we know them, you know? We, we, we are being treated like VIPs. And it scares me, and I can't even explain to the kids what is happening. My son, he can explain why he changed his name from being known as educator to Bupilo. That was the first xenophobia. The other, so you understand that it's affecting kids at school. They, they sit by themselves as foreigners. 
not because there's issues, but they just feel comfortable, much more comfortable. Because kids, you find them speaking about, hey, 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 I'm a query, query, hey, when a foreigner. It happens in schools. Mm. Wow, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's very insightful um, from you. And so you and David have been married for 18 years. Yes. And how many children do you have? We've got three. He is 16 and we've got a 10-year-old and we've got an 8-year-old together. And the other thing that you should also know about is that till today, I've married to him, but he still uses his passport because for some reason at home office, there's papers pending. He can't travel. It's like the fourth year now. He can't travel because his papers, he's still on the waiting list. There's a lot of issues that people are not aware of. And these people, I think, I'm speaking from a, a woman who's married to a foreigner. They try very hard to be fathers, support their kids. Can South African, can we just please give them a break? It's not fair what is happening out there. And you know, you spoke about um, your family and some of the things that your family said um, about, about, you know, David, your, you know, your husband and how he plants drugs in your tummy mm-hmm. and so on. What you you know when you went to introduce him to your family, the rest, the extended family. Yes. Their their reactions. What were their reactions like? Positive, sure. negative. Some I'm sure some were positive negative. and some were negative. It, it mm-hmm. was very negative. I remember when we were planning for my wedding. Uh, according to their cultures, as Igbos, they actually come with the lobola money on the day and then they host their celebration. So my dad said, because on Saturday morning, we would want to go to church. How about you guys come Friday night? So as they were counting money, I could hear some of my cousins saying, just double check if it's not fake. And I was like, oh God, really? How, how, how does, and they had to come with cash. They, they did everything according to what the culture was requesting. Lobola, our traditional way of changing blankets. They don't change blankets, they, they give material. But I said to him, if you're gonna do things, do them the right way. And for a very long time, I was also doubting about the fact of giving my citizenship to him. I haven't even given him my citizenship. He's still on his passport because at first I doubted is it about love or is it about citizenship? And that's a reality. It is. I mean, people do get married for for citizenship. We see, you know, in America it's about the green card, in South Africa it's about citizenship. So it's a valid valid concern. Yes. And the, the problem started teaching me when my son was going to get his passport, his ID, because as a 16-year-old here in South Africa, you, you need to apply for your yes. ID. So daddy's papers were, were not correct. And he is on his father's surname because he's um, forced to have an abridged certificate where he has to go and apply for his papers. And there was a situation where his passport had, had no proper information because Home Affairs is still holding on to his papers. So we took a whole of last year. He only got his ID this year. It was bad. It's still bad. I so wish that the government can look at other side of the whole situation. Okay, so we're listening to you're listening to Saipat Cindy. I'm chatting to Lebu Ononokbu, and I'm also chatting to Chooks Moses. Um, Chooks is a Nigerian man. He's married to a South African woman. Lebu's um, South African, and she's married to a Nigerian man. And they're sharing the experiences of you know love, relationships, marriage, having children in the midst of xenophobia. We also have Ubi Wopilo, Wopilo, Wopilo on an open studio. And he'll be telling us about why he changed his name to, well, started using his South African name because of what is happening at school. We also have another guest. We have Sheikh Amir on online, and he's the um, spokesperson for the Africa Diaspora Forum. Good evening, Sheikh, and welcome, welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Uh, good evening to you, to your listeners, and thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining our show. And um, as you've heard, we're speaking about um, you know xenophobia, relationships, and and just how families are affected by what's happening in South Africa, especially for 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 you know people from other countries who've chosen to marry um, South African nationals. Um, Sheikh, what are your what are what are your insights on what's happening in our country at the moment? No, the truth of the matter is, in, as Africans, we are actually one, and intermarriage has been something that have been actually there days, even in old days, and it has not been a story. But the reality is, to be a, to be a foreigner, 
married to be a South African is actually regarded more of actually a criminal matter. That when the South African person is or men and women who are required by the society, uh, either married or married to one of us, it's not uh, it's not actually a story. But when our one of us is actually married to the local story, I'll give you a good example. The most required South African uh, person or the most referred African personality is Tata Madiba. And he was married to Mozambican. His first daughter, uh, Makaziwe, is actually married to the Amuas, the Ghanaian. And uh, there are a lot of actually SS personalities that I cannot mention who are married. But the reality is being an a foreigner and married to actually an African, especially if it's coming from the West or the East, it will be actually a condemnation that you are married by a tax, a crime actually, personality, a drug load, and all actually that. And I think the sister married to the woman will be attesting to that. I have seen cases that were reported to our office of youngsters who are bullied in school simply because their fathers are Nigerian mm. or Cameroonian or actually that. And and how so? How have you, how are you dealing with the cases, um, um, Sheikh Amir? Um, that that come to you. Who who are you approaching? The, the, yeah. Yes, the reality of the matter is issues that are affecting the children in their mind and psychologically something that we can talk to a psychologist or something. But the truth of the matter is there is an aspect of education that is needed in the country where there is need actually to teach tolerance, acceptance, and coexistence. I'll give you a case. In the year 2004, mm. I attended the Langa Massacre celebration and the unveiling of the tombstone for the mother of one of the South African most celebrated musicians. Uh, and when we were there, it culminated into a public meeting of which the president of the Pan-African uh, Congress of Azania at that time, the Papam Falele, addressed the crowd. And one thing that struck me was that he said that growing up as a youngster, we were told that the Africans are cannibals, they eat human beings. And he said the first country in South River was Zimbabwe. And having that in mind, he always been on the lookout who will actually play on him. This myth and misconception are the things that we do not need to. Mm-hmm. Irrespective of where you come from in Africa, we are African. Intermarriage have always been there. There are a lot of South African personalities who are born out of the country. Many of our political leaders had their children born out of the country. So we need to embrace that. And uh, this escape coaching myth and misconception needs to be removed. If I am actually married to a South African and I'm from Mali, it's not actually the woman is married to a drug load or something of that. And I think all these things can be removed if there is education emphasizing more on acceptance and tolerance. And, you know, children, how how do you explain all of these things to children, Sheikh? It must be very challenging. Sorry? How do you explain xenophobia to children, you know, Yes, we do have to explain it to them, and we have to, you know, build them psychologically and tell them, you know, it's, this is a criminality, these are criminals. Not all South Africans are xenophobes. The majority of the South Africans are accepting community. They are more xenophilic than actually xenophobic. Mm. They accept us, they embrace our culture, they embrace our food, and all these things, because if you fit negative to your teeth, then you are not building actually a, a, a prosperous kid yeah. who will actually achieve success in this globe. So despite all this negativity in the media, despite all the negativity among our migrant community, we have to teach our children that not all South Africans dislike them or so folks. South Africans are embracing communities. They love us. That's why they're in our country. And in that way, it helps them. Because I have seen even personally where I youngster come to me and say, you know, Daddy, why are they attacking us? And the children born to South Africa in this country regard themselves more as of more South African than actually foreigners. And when they go to schools and they actually met with this uh, bullying and all these things, it actually it's moralize them and chastise them. Okay. So coming back to um, Lebu, so I have Lebu Hang Ononokpo in studio and I also have Chooks Moses and Bupilo Ononokpo. I think we'll, we'll chat to Chooks next. Chooks, how long have you been in South Africa? I've been here for um, 20 odd years. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, when you arrived in the country, what, 20, 2009? No, 2009. No, 1999. 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even count properly. Um, yeah, so you'd come from Nigeria and you'd come to work. What, what, did, what did you come to do here? I actually came here to study. Um, had the opportunity to come. Um, um, a cousin of mine who stayed here at that time saw the opportunity for me to come study this side and uh, processed the whole document for me to come, which mm-hmm. I did. Came over completed my studies and then decided to to work with him in his uh, businesses into property management and all of that so um yeah that's that's that was the initial um plan coming to this side um but of course you you come to a country and then you see the place and then you decide do you want to study and go back or you want to stay you and of course i made the decision to stay back and uh, um look for survival in this part of the of the, of the economy, and then you fell in love, of course. <laughs> and and you've been married for how long? I've been married for thirteen years. Okay, and how many yes. children do you have, we if have, any? We have three, two girls and a boy. And how old are they? Twelve, five, and most recently, <laughs> five days actually. Five days! Oh, congratulations <laughs> on your new arrival. And and so you know, going back and telling your family that okay, I'm settling down in South Africa. I've met a South African woman that I'm going to marry. Was that was that difficult? It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, fortunately, I come from a family where um, you have the right to choose where you marry and who you marry. And when I found uh, when I found her in two thousand and three, and decided to take, obviously decided to take her home before we even started talking about marriage. Um, introduced her to the family, and uh, she was likable, and everybody accepted her. And then um, we we started talking marriage afterwards. Uh, eventually happened in 2005. Okay. Yes. And amongst your friends? Um, I mean, I'm not, and I ask all these questions because mm-hmm. I'm in an interracial um, relationship. Okay. And it was a lot. There was a lot, a lot of hurdles to cross. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out if it's the same, if, you know, if you're marrying someone from another country or, you know, if it's different. That's why I'm but asking all these questions. Have, you will always have those issues where some people prefer to marry back home and some people will prefer to marry wherever they are for me you encounter those that will say no i'll never marry south african i'll marry from home um you get those that will say i'll marry here and i'll still marry at home it's, it's a it's a thing of choice and also um family where you come from depending on what your family supports if your family agrees to it and all of that for me i'm fortunate i was fortunate enough to fortunate enough to come from a family that didn't have a problem with marrying a foreigner and uh yeah, so we fell in love and we married. And, and I'm happy that you point out the issue about family because if you do come from a family that puts their foot down and says, no, you will not do this, you actually can't do it. Yeah, there are yeah they, they will like make it difficult for you to do anything yeah. and you'll probably end up breaking up. So it's, it's yes. good that you both mentioned that the families that you come from um, and the families that you married into were accepting mm. of, 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 of your love and the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's true. Um, and that's where some people get it wrong. Sometimes you, like you mentioned earlier, people marry for various reasons. It could be for papers. It could be for other stuff, you know. Um, if you say you want to marry for real, I think it's important for you to actually get your family involved because um, you cannot be an island to yourself. You, yeah. uh, you never can make a forest on your own as a tree. So it's important that family gets to know what you're doing and at least seek the support of your family because you bring in a completely different um completely strange a complete stranger to them if if i may put it like that and if they have a problem with the person uh, there's always going to be that problem always. relating to them so okay. it's important yeah okay so side part cindy and kai fm 95.9 we're talking about love relationships marriage in the midst of xenophobia we'll be taking more of your calls on 086 959 after this break expert advice Sidebar with, with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome back to Sidebar with Cindy with me, Cindy Sue and Sale. And we're still chatting about um, love, marriage, relationships, um, and children in the midst of xenophobia. I have um, Sheikh Amir, the spokesperson of the African Diaspora Forum online. I'm also joined in studio by Lebu Ononokbu, who's married to a Nigerian man, and her son, Wupilo Ononokbu, is here with us to share his experiences as a 16-year-old um, living in a household where, you know, mom is South African and dad is from Nigeria. We also have Chooks Moses in studio, and he's married to a 
South African woman and he just shared with us before the break about um you know his relationship and and you know how they've just had a baby five day five they've they have a five day old baby and two other kids but coming back to you um Sheikh before before we let you go um you know in, in at our schools what what can we do in our classrooms to sensitize children to the fact that there'll be other people from other countries coming into their schools and so on. You know, where do you think the teachers can make a difference? I, I think something needs to be added into the school curriculum. I'll give you an example. In the year 2008, after the massive xenophobic attack with the assistance of the House and Department of Education, we were allowed to adopt schools in Alexandra area. And the all 16 schools in the area were adopted by Africans. Each school adopted three Africans, where we actually taught them about our countries, you know, and where we come from, why we are here, you know, the reasons that brought us here, and all that. And I'm telling you that education that a few months in those schools, uh, the results that it yields was very high, to an extent that we have to be seen a repeat of actually a similar incident like that. But they are out of need and misconception can only be removed if we actually attend to the youngsters who are the future generation of this country. And currently, we are doing a similar thing in Soweto where we will be adopting schools in Soweto, the greater Soweto and some part of Ketlong, and where we will be teaching the students about, you know, tolerance, acceptance, issues of actually race, and all that. But lastly, before you allow me to leave, I want to correct one myth and misconception that comes. You know, one of the myths and misconceptions, but that is a reality, mm. is that uh, they say foreigners are here to take our wives. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is we are not here to take the wives, but we are here to actually marry the beauties of this country and treat them like a queen. I think you have got two Nigerian panels in the studio. I am from Somalia in the Horn of Africa. But how my people's brother treat their wives is something that I always adore. Any woman married to them, and if the sister is actually within the union, will tell you, they just don't call them by any name. They call them my wife. And that is actually something prestigious, giving honor to the woman. She is treated, if she is married from a Nigerian, especially from an Igbo, she is treated as a queen within those society. And even being adorned with names like she is a societal woman and not only married to actually Uchi alone. Thank you. Thank you so much, I'm Sheikh Amir, and he's a spokesperson from the Africa Diaspora Forum. You're listening to Sidebar Cindy with me, I'm Cindy Sue Fansel, and we're talking about um, love and relationships in the midst of xenophobia. If you've missed um, the, the show, you can always catch it on a podcast on FM Rewind. Click on Sidebar Cindy and the podcast um, should be uploaded within the week. And I have in studio with me um, Lebuhang Ononokbu, who's married to a Nigerian man, David Ononokbu. And I also have Chuks Moses, who's married to a South African man. But we also have um, Lebuhang and David's son, Ubupilo Ononokbu, and and we invited him to share um, his story. His mom had told me earlier on how he had changed his name from his Nigerian name to his South African name because of what is happening at school. So, Wupilo, thank you for coming through and thank you for sharing your story with us. So, um, what grade are you in at the moment? I'm in grade 10. You're in grade 10? Yes. Okay. So, you know, Umama told me that um, you decided to change your name. What had happened at school, you know, leading up to that? And what, what is your Nigerian name and what happened at school? Um, my Nigerian name is Ejike. Ejike? Yes. Okay. Okay, so it basically started off as like a joke type of thing where people would be like, hey, check out xenophobia, xenophobia, xenophobia. And I was like, what is that? Okay, it's not going to affect me, whatever. Just brush it to the side. But then when I actually found out what it is, it like it hit me that, wow, this actually could affect me. Then, and this happened last year or this year? No, it was a couple of years down the line when, like, I first actually found out about xenophobia. Mm. Okay, so, like, it went on for some time where people would be like, hey, Nigerians, Nigerians this, Nigerians that. And I wouldn't, like, pay much attention to it because I'd be like, it's not going to affect me. Mm. Like, what does it have to do with me? Until where I actually started seeing that Nigerians were being affected. Nigerian kids, Nigerian families. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I need to hide, change my identity. Then I changed my name from, not that I changed it, I just like... Switched the names around at school, yeah. 
I switched it from HEK to Obopelo. Yeah, and from there on, I started speaking more Vanak, started interacting with more, how can I put it, um, more kids that aren't foreign, mm-hmm. more people that speak Zulu, Sutu, Venda. I started drifting away from like my origins and and until now like I think only now actually that I'm starting to go back to my origins where I found Nigerian friends which I thank God for them because like they show me did this is how we do it in our culture things that I've forgotten about things that you have to know things that I have to know mm. yeah and yeah and at school um, Amupilo, have have the teachers had these discussions with you guys in class? Has it ever come up? You know, just xenophobia, tolerance of people from other countries or other tribes. Have you spoken about that? I think, like, to be honest, it only came up because it's in like the curriculum. Otherwise, I don't think so. Like, they would they would just talk about it. Like today, we're doing xenophobia. Okay, first of all, what is xenophobia? Um, no one knows. Okay, xenophobia is a fear or unlikeliness of foreign people. And that's when, like, people started to, like, know what it is. Then, yeah, that's all teachers would, like, delve into. Not much, really. And um, were you ever bullied at school for, for having a Nigerian father? Nah, that's the thing. I always made sure that people address me as Ubopilo. But HEK, I'd always make sure that I'm not associated to being a Nigerian kid. Mm. Yeah. And are there are there children in your school that are from Nigeria? Yes. Okay. I and actually have one good friend that's <laughs> Nigerian. Okay. That's my brother. And yes. and and how are those kids treated? To be honest, because like it's high school now, like people don't have time to be bullying other kids and. Going on about xenophobic things, they focusing more on, on, on like, studies. Mm. Yes, like it's not really that much in high school, but in primary, it was a lot. So you, you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. In terms of of you know both of you, Chooks and Lebo, mm-hmm. in terms of bringing up your kids and making sure that um you know you you protect them, but at the same time you make them aware of the realities of being born to parents from from different countries and yeah. living living in South Africa. Um, he's fortunate because um, I grew up in in a home where my dad always made it a point that we knew how to speak our home language. My dad originally is from Lesotho, but then when he arrived, he'd always make it a point that Libuas Lesotho. So I once said to them, you need to learn. And I think there was a time when he had an incident where the transport driver was talking about him, thinking that he, he doesn't understand he doesn't what understand. he's being said. And then the transport driver said, hey, Ustuza, okay, you know, and then he said hi until he, like he 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 mentioned, which no, I can I understand. So then I started teaching the the two younger ones. But um, I have a friend; her daughter is Oluchi Sivenati. Oluchi totally doesn't know how to speak um, Zulu or Kosa. And today, the whole day, I kept on worrying about her. I said, "No wonder where is Oluchi," because I wanted. I wanted her to be safe with Nana. Look, this is the situation. So you, when you're worried, you get to be worried about the fathers, the kids, the safety and all that. Where are they? What's happening? What if they stop them and they ask them questions? They don't know how to speak Zulu and all. It's, it, it is a difficult situation. And, and, and Lebu, do you belong to um, a, you know, a society or uh, a fraternity of, of South African women that are married to Nigerian men? Have you, have you found each other? We we have um, he, m- my husband and Chooks. They are from the same uh, village in Abia State in Omoaya. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, we have, but it's not that strong. And then today, I think I spoke to Nombulelo. Nombulelo said, "An injury to one is an injury to all." Lebu, we need to come out. All of us, we need to come out because. At the end of the day, if one woman's husband is killed, it is a pain to all of us because at times, remember, these people are not allowed to work. 
and they they can't be covered because of papers they don't have life covers and then we have to contribute for them to go home to be buried home because they don't want to be buried here mm. and then there is no woman that would want to go alone to go and bury her husband we have to contribute even for the kids and imagine from here to nigeria and coming back and then when she comes back she has to pick her life altogether. there's schools to be paid there's all that and i i feel that it's we are we are in a very difficult situation like today when i saw my husband deals with cars he buys smash cars and fix them and when they bend where they are keeping their cars i was like god do they understand how much one car costs Okay, so we're taking calls on 86 We're speaking about, um, you know, love, relationships, marriage in the midst of xenophobia. And we have Ulerato calling us from Johannesburg. Good evening, Ulerato, and welcome to Sidebot, Cindy. Hi, Dr. How are you? Good, thank you, ma'am. I'm good. You know, this topic is just so emotional for me whenever this thing of xenophobia happens because I always ask myself, how does... Um, the word, even the word self, when it is foreign, it just hurts me. I always ask myself, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? And that reflection be foreign when somebody else who looks like you. You know, it's all these things of Nigeria, Zimbabwe, it's just people living in different areas in Africa. So when people say um, this person is foreign, how can an African be foreign in, the, in, in an African land? Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, I have, I'm married to a Zimbabwean man and our son, you know, he um, he likes things with blue eyes. And some when people, um, I, I'm, and I'm always proud to say he's Zimbabwean. Mm. And people always say, oh, he doesn't look Zimbabwean. And I'm like, what does that even mean? You know? Mm. And so it takes me back to in the time when I was growing up as a little girl when my mom was closer and my dad was blue. And that was not even good enough. Mm. So it feels like us as Africans, we're just not moving forward. Mm. We're just going back in circles of, you know, discriminating each other for actually nothing because we are all one we are all the same and if we could take time and look and look at each other we'd see that there's no such thing as nigeria and zimbabwe those things are all just geographic so this topic is just every year things are just not changing and it hurts me that it's even starting with kids mm. and kids are so innocent at that time and so to hear kids speak about these things and it, talk like this it's yeah. just it's a reality it's a reality that we have to that we have to face Lerato. and i think yeah. Until we come up with a solution or a way forward, we'll keep on revisiting this topic year in and year out. Year out. Okay, so taking more calls on 86 Umpumi is on the road. Hi, Umpumi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for taking my call. Great. Um, I just, you know, I'm very humbled, uh, you know, about the response and, you know, how people, especially South African citizens who are in relationships with, um, you know, foreigners. And it's, it's it's so amazing how this, you know, the love spreads. But, you know, um, I think that, yes, it, 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 what we're having here is a great thing, guys. And, you know, the conversations are great. But then the reality of it is that what spreads more is the bad news and that is what is happening in Absolutely. our communities. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm. So now, I'm going to place out an example that I've I've witnessed myself. Mm. Right. I stay in an area whereby there's a lot of uh, Nigerians who are, who are drug dealers. And unfortunately, mm. the consumers of these drugs are South Afri- young South African citizens. Mm. So what we also saw uh, was that um, so young South African girls are being taken into the system True. of perhaps these uh, this illegal dealings of, of drugs and so forth. Mm. And then you find our elders who are talking in the streets and saying, no, it's these Nigerians, it's these Nigerians, mm. you know, and um, I feel that what we need to do, I do not know, you know, no, I do not know whether it's, it's, it's our government, perhaps, you know, the different departments that we have, your international relations, even these, these embassies of these countries, they need to also come into play and in, even come in, in, into the game. And let's see how we can, you know, jointly resolve these, these, these issues. Yeah. I, for one, uh, my cousin, my cousin is, um, his father is, he's from Kenya. Mm-hmm. All right. And he, he grew up like, I and, you know, and all of that. But you see, the, 
the minute when all of the xenophobia started to kick in and to find out how his father also passed away mm. it was through such xenophobic mm. xenophobic mm. attacks mm. It, it it you know it, it at that time it didn't click but then what we need to do i feel that with with all of this there has to be some kind of you know uh, conversations yeah. with even the embassies themselves mm. how do we fix this because this is just bad image and again negligence and our government leaving this to the last minute okay. i feel we, we are all africans you know mm. and we we need to we need to work this out because i i surely wouldn't like the idea when i go to perhaps senegal or wherever and then and i'm treated the same way i wouldn't like it yeah but no. what i'm just saying is that you know what we need to do is just to to see to to remove all the rotten potatoes of foreigners who are also illegally in this country True. you know that's when we'll have all this love spreading even more in this country we do not have anything against you know the love spreading mm. and relationships but the problem is, is the stigma and the image that is portrayed by majority of so so okay so-called majority of foreigners who are not as educated as those who are in studio right now mm-hmm. and who are calling in. No, thank you, know you so I much. Mean? No, thank you for that, Mpumi. So we'll be taking more of your calls after this break on 086-00-0959 on Cyberart Cindy. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. 18 more minutes of the show left with me, um, Cindy Siwe, Fan Sale on Sidebar. Cindy, we'll be taking calls from Woipilo, Ndibuo, Zepo, and Tabang. But before that, um, I'm, I'm chatting to Chuks Moses and to Lebuhang Ononokbu. Um, Chuks is from Nigeria. He's married to a South African woman. And Ulebu is from South Africa. And she's married to, to a Nigerian man. Her son, Woipilo, is also in studio. And he shared his um, experiences. Chuks wanted to say something before I started taking calls. And Chuks, you wanted to mention something about the drug situation and how it affects you guys as well. Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand that when, when you talk about drugs and uh, in the society, we, we, we all live in the society that we talk about. I have kids here. Mm. Um, I'm married to a South African woman who comes from a family here in, in, in the country. And I'll give you one example. My wife um, come from, from the west of Johannesburg, Kugesdorp area. Um, some time ago, the sister... The, 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 the son got involved in drugs mm. and it was so bad that they were losing the guy mm. and it, it not, didn't just affect the, the family the, 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 the parents, the mother and the, and, the, and the father my wife was also affected by the whole mm. thing that we even had to go to, to Kakiso to go fetch the young man to come and stay with us for a, for a while just to get him off that environment to see how we can assist so when, when we speak about drugs or the effect of drugs on our young people, we also need to understand that it affects us, even some of us that are married to, 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 to South Africans. Mm-hmm. Um, um, talking about uh, Bupilo who, who have issues about um, xenophobic issues in school, my daughter once faced it in school where it came from a teacher even simply because she could not pronounce the Igbo name of my daughter and, and she questioned that. No, my name is not this. This is my name. And she she used some kind of words on on, 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 on the young child. And then the question is, a teacher who's supposed to be teaching the girl or who's supposed to be teaching the students, the learners not to be xenophobic if if we want to talk about that, is now the one that is heading the attack on the younger. So mm. there are so many things that people need to understand. The caller before did mention that government need to, people need, we need to talk about this. And I agree. We really need to talk about these things a lot more than we are doing because clearly what we hear out there, the, the, the negative ones. Mm. Um, when Lebo spoke ab- ab- about papers earlier, it's, it's a big issue here. Mm, you talk about is. people taking your jobs. You talk about people should go back. People should do this. Let's look at home affairs. I'm one of the fortunate ones that, that got my papers and got it sorted out mm. before these whole problems started. But I have my brothers who are 10 years, 15 years in this waiting, country. Waiting. And waiting. And home affairs keep saying uh, pending, pending. pending. What, some, so, some reasons. And you ask yourself, if you say this person shouldn't have a paper that means that person is not going to get employment mm-hmm. to, to an extent and then he goes into like she also mentioned her husband is into a uh, refurbishment of cars and all of that he goes into that business and then you come around and say this person is taking your job mm-hmm. look my wife at some point had to take take up take a loan for me from standard bank to start something mm-hmm. and then that business employed locals of about 13 of them Mm-hmm. at some point working 
then the question I ask is, how am I taking the job or how did we take the job? There are so many areas that we need to look at this. And I think the I was listening to to the to the police minister earlier before we came on studio when was when when he was talking about and he's denying the fact that this is xenophobic. He's saying he's not he doesn't want to agree that this whole thing is being targeted at foreigners. Come on, man. You destroy ten shops, one of it or one of the shops maybe belong to a target. It's foreign. So, uh, we need to be honest no. when we talk about these things and how it affects us because it's not just affecting me as Chicks Moses. It affects me, my wife, her family, who are now part of my, my family. family as well. Okay, taking calls. 86 We have Tabang calling us from Johannesburg. Um, good evening, Tabang. Welcome to the show. Hello, are you? Good, thank you. I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. You see, the thing is, all of us, we are affected by this thing. You know, mm-hmm. for starters, I I lived in Sanabel before and I bought a property, you know, a young 20-year-old wanting to start a life. And the thing is, foreigners started being in that area and the, the place lost value, there was drugs, there was prostitution and all that. And I moved to Joburg and I actually had the privilege of having foreign friends. And I realized all of us are affected by it. Mm-hmm. The problem is not foreigners. The problem is the illegal foreigners coming to the country doing illegal things. That's where the issue is. If we can solve the problem of illegal foreigners, then I think a lot of problems would be solved. Because at the end of the day, we're all people. We help each other. My doctors are Nigerian, and I'm happy with them. I'm having Mm -hmm. my second child, and I'm still using the same doctor. Mm -hmm. It's the level of trust I have in his abilities. So the problem is not all foreigners. It's Mm. the illegal ones that are doing bad things. And now the overall perception changes because of what these people are doing. Thank you so much and for that. It, Tam, yeah. Thank, thank you, Tama. We'll just move on because I need to take more calls. We have Uboy Pilo on the line. Uboy Pilo, welcome to Sidebar Cindy. Okay, it's Ndibuo, Ndibuo on the line. Hi, Ndibuo. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for holding. I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to the people. Um, firstly, I would like to comment on, on the guilt issue. You know, when they say uh, foreigners are taking our jobs, that's not true. My first job I was given to by an Angolian friend of mine. I was a barman there at his pub. Then I had to also bring in a lot of DJs uh, to come and play there, which means it was employment at the time. And then another thing, right now I'm running business in Angola, in the DRC and Zimbabwe. Right now, for us business people, what's happening in South Africa messes up everything because they also want to retaliate on their side. What means there are a lot of South African business people that are outside of the country. Mm. So I think we, as South Africans, we need to look at this thing very carefully. Thank you so much. And not just jump on the bandwagon because somebody is saying this, we need to do that. Okay, thank you for that. Boy Pilo from Johannesburg. Hi, and thank you for holding. Welcome to Sidebar, Cindy. Hi, no, thanks for getting my call. Actually, Lebohang and Bupilo, I know them very well. Lebohang is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, this whole thing as xenophobia, guys, first, the government is not helping us. Because the government, they are busy denying, they are not taking this thing head on and admitting that this is xenophobia. It is xenophobia because only the foreign shops they are being attacked, you know, and which makes it very, very wrong. And as South Africans, sometimes we forget where we come from. The same Africans we are attacking today, we were being protected by them under apartheid regime. Mm-hmm. But now today, we are busy attacking our own brothers. And we've got other families who are living in those foreign countries in Africa, from South Africa. If this were to happen to them there, in, a, in the foreign land, how would that make their family feel? Mm-hmm. So I was very saddened today. I even spoke to my friend Lebohang today about when I saw the the burning of the cars and stuff like that. You know, people put their money. It's their livelihood. Mm. We need to look at this thing. The government, they're busy saying crime, crime. It's not about crime. There's a difference between crime and there's a difference between xenophobic. And this is definitely xenophobic to our own fellow Africans. We are Africans. We don't see these things being done to the Chinese, to the white people, to all those other people who are not African. Why do we always find it so easy to do it to our own brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. No, thank you for that, Boy Pilo. 
Lungile from Joburg. Um, hi, and welcome to Sidebar Cindy. Hello, um, my name is Lungile, and I'm also a family member of Wupilo. <laughs> I would just like to share my views on how this whole feud is actually forcing children that are born from relationships where a parent is South African and another parent is foreign. Is foreign. These children are now forced in Bupila's case to live a double life. Mm-hmm. He has to identify as a South African because of mm-hmm. his safety. And that means that he has to push away from his true origins. We as South Africans have to understand that as we say that not every Zulu is violent, not every Kosa is a gold digger, we also have to understand that not every Nigerian is a drug dealer. And mm-hmm. we have to form some sense of unity because this is really affecting the children more than the Nigerian fathers or mothers or the South African mothers and fathers. No, thank you for those comments. Thank you. And you know, Lebu, I'm so I'm so glad that you brought your son on and he shared what he shared. Because it's it, you know, it's it's making it real for people. People are listening and, and realizing how real this is, and, is, you know, and how it affects you know families, you know, across across the layers. And you must remember that um, as a teenager, if his father is selling drugs, it's going to be easy for um, him to reach to other kids. So he won't be destroying him alone. He will be destroying other people's. So I'm. Um, uh, all I understand is that my husband is only trying to do a, a, a living, an honest living, so that these kids can have better education and be good citizens of South Africa, not even of Nigeria, because they hardly use Nigerian. They don't even have Nigerian passport. Mm. You understand? So uh, I feel and I, I, I would wish that any time when they say drug, drug dealers are out there, even at school, they'll say, yeah, I want a pupilo. Yeah, your fathers, they are arrested there. And mm. it, it's weird what these kids at home, we as South African parents, we need to start teaching our children how to treat other kids. I've got Zimbabwe. Today I was with Gabriel in the case. He says, Auntie Lebo, um, I think uh, if police are, like he was scared. And I said, Gabby, it's okay. If anything has to happen, I'm going to come. He says, but I'm a Zimbabwean citizen. I said, no, no, it's fine. I'm going to come and pick you on time. I'll pick you with Bupilo and then mm. when it starts. Can you imagine how kids are frustrated? And scared. And scared. Over what? Selfish reasons? Because of women as own money? What is it that they are fighting for? Maybe government should have a, a bigger panel where they bring everybody. Let us hear why there are so much people dying over this things, this xenophobia thing. Sorry. Mm. That was Lebu Ununokpo, um, um, a South African woman who's married to um, a Nigerian man. She's been married for 18 years. And um, her son joined us in studio to share how at school he had to stop using his um, Nigerian name and use his South African name so that he wasn't um, victimized. You know, when he, when he realized what xenophobia was, he changed um, his name to protect himself. Chooks, your daughter, you mentioned your daughter's name and how um, the teacher couldn't pronounce it. What is your daughter's name? Her, name, her, her full name is Chehorom Nanya. Mm. Uh, th- th- but we shorten it to Chichi just mm. to make it easy for people to, to pronounce it. But what happened was that at some point in school, um, I did inform the school, look, I want my daughter's name to be written on all her documents fully as it is. Because and not Chichi. You don't, yeah, you don't mm. want a case where tomorrow um, your child start having issues. Certificate is saying Chichi, whereas ID says Chehong Nayan. Mm. So, and and the teachers frowned at that because um, they felt I was giving them some kind of uh, too much job to do in pronouncing the name. And they had a little bit of issue and attitude towards her because of that, to the extent that sometimes... They address has some kind of words that you don't want to use on on, on mm. national radio like this but it, it's it's painful because if this is coming from the teachers themselves what do you expect what the then children? do you expect mm-hmm. the children, the children. To, to to do um and and it baffles where someone a grown-up would treat a child like that mm. um, so in most cases parent themselves because a teacher is assumed that most of them have kids at home so you don't need to sit down and think because we, we can go on and on and talk about the negativities, the things that we don't like about foreigners. But what are we doing ourselves to fix this very mm. problem that we talk about? Because it's there. Like I said earlier off air, 
even in the churches i'm, I'm a very church person you mm-hmm. hear it in the church you even you sit in the next seat next to you is in the church and the person is having issues with with you as a foreigner mm-hmm. and then you ask questions what are we reading in these bibles mm. that we read every day mm. clearly there must be some kind of understanding that we get from the bible otherwise why read it if you cannot understand that we are all human and you have to love your neighbor and, and love your neighbors as, as it is written boldly there so sometimes you maybe that's what i'm saying maybe the government is not doing enough like i mentioned the minister you hear a lot of things and you ask yourself what well you know the government okay, can only do so much but we each have to start um, at home as individuals and see what we can do for our communities. But we have time for one more call. We have Tepo calling us from Soweto. Um, hi, Tepo, and welcome to Sidebar. Cindy, you're our last caller for the evening. Hi, Tepo. Okay, so we've lost Tepo. And so in closing, because we have to wrap up the show, um, Wopilo, um, you know, what, what would you like to say in closing? What do you encourage us to do as grown-ups to, to make sure that we change um, what's happening in our country? Um, I believe that as grown-ups, like please do grow up and act as if you are grown up like what do you expect your children to say when they see you killing other people stealing from other people and yet you don't want to see them do that like so we need to lead by example please do okay and chooks moses just great having you on the show what are your closing state closing words a few closing words okay i just want to say that um I'm not living in dreamland. Eh? I do understand that these things happen. I do understand that foreigners do, some foreigners do a lot of illegal things mm-hmm. and all of that. But people should also understand that we're not all the same. There are people who live a clean life in this country. And if you find someone doing what you believe is wrong, rather get the person, let the law take its course. Let, 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 take, arrest the person, do what you have to do and let the person, don't punish all of us because of what one or two people are doing out there because we also suffering from the same thing that you think you're suffering from. No, thank you, Chuck Moses. And Lebu Ononokpu, thank you so much for being on the show. What's your closing statement before we, before we end? Um, I just want to say, I, I hope we start beginning to love ourselves because the most important thing, if we start loving ourselves, we'll understand that we need to care for each other. Mm-hmm. And, and then let's raise these kids to know who they are and have a proper basic education about xenophobia right from primary because in high school they can defend themselves they must start in primary school from primary that's where they must start thank you so much i'll be back on site about cindy tomorrow evening at 7 p.m Rewinding Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.